Hey, welcome back to Off the Circle. This is Ryan Grimes here with a full house. Uh, we got Harry Howe, Doug Carr, Weston Hegerfeld, and we have Robin Landing and Paige Merle. And today we're talking about solopreneurs here on Off the Circle. Listen to indie-based entrepreneurs and business people, their experience and expertise. Have some laughs and learn along the way on this episode of Off the Circle, the Indianapolis business scene like you've never heard it before. Hey, this is Ryan Grimes. Today we're talking about solopreneurs and we have Weston Hegerfield for Evolution Data Design. And we have Robin Landing from Floof and Grown Up University. And we have Paige Murrell from The Story Sketcher. So, solopreneurs, who wants to go first? How did you get to be sitting at this table with us? <laughs> the long story. We don't have enough time. So I, I'm curious. I, I know Paige's story pretty much. And, and she has moved you know, directly into that role, but maybe that was not true for you, Weston, or for you, Robin. Perhaps you were in some kind of corporate role and you're shaking your head, Robin. So maybe tell us how you got here. <laughs> yeah. So I actually um, had a couple of right out of, well, I went to grad school right out of college. Um, so when I got out of grad school, I had a couple of just short year long stints at a couple of very small companies. And then landed at a local printing company here um, in Indianapolis that I worked for for seven years. Um, and I ran the uh, promotional product department for that company. Um, it was great, but also a small business. And I had sort of hit the ceiling of where I felt I could grow there. Um, and so a couple years ago, I was approached by a tech startup in town to join the sales team. Um, and... I took a leap of faith and thought, I'll give sales a try. <laughs> and uh, it wasn't my thing. Um, so I, after a year there, decided, hey, I am miserable. I am not selling anything. And I love this company, but they can't like that I'm not selling anything for them either. So um decided to kind of go off on my own and um, didn't really have a plan because I was getting married three weeks later um, when I left. <laughs> so... So I was yeah, like, well, unemployed. yeah, exactly. Um, it was also toward the end of the year, so no one was really hiring. And, um, so I actually kind of landed in starting my marketing consulting business, um, because I applied for a job at Torchlight. Um, they had a full-time job open and they ended up filling that internally, but said, we really think you would be a great, um, addition to our Torchlighter team, the freelancers that um, do a lot of their work. And I had not considered it at the, at all ever going out off on my own. But after talking to several of the people there, um, was like, you know what, I think I can do this. So I um, was very lucky. Actually, the printing company that I worked for was my first client that said, yeah, we'll hire you. We don't like doing marketing and you do. So <laughs> yeah. Um, and I had a great network here in town, and things have um, have kind of taken off from there. So we like happy stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weston, how about you? So mine started my end of sophomore, going into my junior year of college, and I I, I knew I needed an internship, and uh, I was aware of a family member down here whose neighbor had a company that he did software development, and um, that was right in my niche through college, and. Uh, 
came down and he pretty much slammed a book on the table and said, you want to do this? I said, yeah. He said, all right, take this home and read it. And this was about the March timeframe. So leading up to summer and then came down and stayed with them for the summer and then did that for two years after that. And then kind of got to the point where graduating college and, uh, yeah, I had, had to make a choice whether I go off and try to find another job or I'd stick with this. And I'm glad I stuck with this because unfortunately, my story's not so happy. Um, this, this individual, he, uh, he was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer the end of the first summer that I was with him. So, um, it, it, it ended up, they only gave him two years and almost to the date. And he was a really good mutual friend of Ryan's as well. That's how Ryan and I know each other so well. Um, but it it was one of those make decisions where the customers were interfacing with me. They were they know who I were or knew who I am, and uh, they're like, "Well, what are, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to support us? I mean, what's going to happen?" So my aunt and I, who I was also working for him, we just said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll take the ball and roll with it." So um, about a year ago, beginning of this year, my aunt decided that her heart was no longer in it, and she didn't want to do it no more so here i am solopreneur all right wow. that that's quite a story now did, now did you re- I, i'm i'm just curious from a aspect because i read horror stories about um solopreneurs are really bad at like writing wills and leaving their business details to people <laughs> well so, uh, yeah let's just say we we had already had she had already had a company established herself okay. because that's how she paid or he paid the company then and then she paid herself uh, out of it okay so yes so there was already some separation yes yeah. and the horror stories were yes there yeah yeah uh, let's just say he wasn't very good at paying his taxes oh no so, <laughs> we, or documenting anything, anything. <laughs> and as so, a software developer that's pretty bad yes yeah and you i think everything in your head. i think because of that it's almost been ingrained in my head document everything yeah. i mean it yeah. It's just one of those switches you can't afford to flip on and off. Yeah. So it's it's been an interesting ride. <laughs> we call those learning experiences. Yeah. And I had one of those last weekend. <laughs> Paige, maybe share with us your story, which is a little different. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm still a senior in college, so I haven't even graduated yet. Before college, I actually worked as a year and a half as a library page, so I shelved books. And at that point in time, that's all I really new as a job or, and I, I didn't really have any interest at all until I got networked with my current business mentor and some other people who are now really close to me. And they really enjoyed some of my more artistic talents. And they said I could use them to make a business, which I had never considered before. And so right before I left for, for college, I decided I was going to start a business. So I started a business and then I went to college and I took the business through college. And so now it's become more of my full-time focus. So it's and, kind of straight out of the gate. That's what I wanted to do. And, and what is that business? Um, the story sketchers. So what I do is I do video marketing for people who have really complicated ideas that they want to simplify in an illustrative, very fun and engaging form. And so it's a little hard to describe in words somebody really needs to see it. So if somebody were to want to, you know, really understand what you do, where where would they go to kind of get a, a sample? Um, the two best places would be to either go to my website, which is just thestorysketcher.com, or to my YouTube page where I have the whole portfolio of 
all the different videos I've done throughout the past couple of years. And, and you would search for the story, story sketcher yes. on YouTube. Okay. You know what's fascinating about this is I, I, I just think it's you, we have three people that pretty much straight out of college. You know, you had one one position there, but it's it's just interesting to me how we're hearing more and more about this. The people transitioning and just getting out of the you know the big corporate workplace. So, so Doug, you and I, uh, it was kind of more a second chapter in our careers. Yeah. So that means these guys are smarter. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I, I still haven't figured it out, and 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 I'm the clock's ticking on me. <laughs> and and I actually I interviewed for a company in St. Louis and had to make that decision yeah. a couple of years ago. Hey, am I going to go with them and move? Or I'm originally from Fort Wayne, so I ended up moving anyways. Yeah. But go there or come here, and I'm glad I chose here. Yeah, I like, just I just think it's a. I, I was telling someone like for people living today, they think that this is something new, right? You know, but really, we're just returning to where we were. Mm -hmm. Like a hundred years ago, everybody yes. was a solopreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, and <laughs> you went to church on Sunday to find out what business you could do, whose fence you could mend, or <laughs> you know, horse you could you know shoe or whatever. Yeah. You know, and and so it's interesting to me. Like I almost feel like we're really getting a good spirit back into the the working community now. And, and the other part of it, I think is that solopreneurs and, and, uh, and who knows, you know, you guys might be bad people, but I feel like <laughs> solopreneurs are, are typically really, really responsible about, you know, the people around them because that's, you know, literally half your, half your business could leave in a day. Can't, can't afford not to. Yeah. You can't afford literally not, can't. you can't afford to treat people bad or anything else. So I just tend to see, like, I, I love this movement. I think it's a, a, a fantastic movement. So Ryan, Doug just kind of planted an interesting idea in, in my head. Uh -oh. So, I mean, he, uh -oh. <laughs> he uh, kind of made the, uh, remind us that, you know, people go to church to find out who's fenced to men. So in, in fact, this table here and this podcast has this become the church <laughs> for, oh, for this, uh, you know, that kind of makes me shudder a little bit. <laughs> yes. Well, it's, it's not just the table, but it's, it's the rooms around it. It's, you know, the environment we're in here. This, yeah. you know, before we moved in here, like we were pretty segregated from everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, we had, we, we love our, our, our other office, you know, we love the people there, but it's still just one company there. Whereas here you can interface with 15 to 20 different companies who have needs. I mean, it, it could be something quick and easy. They just need some consulting, which, you know, whatever you, you charge an hour or two for, but sometimes it leads to something more where they have a client and, you know, if, if they know where you are, like, oh, Hey, I always just had this other client of mine and they, they need IT servers. Like their Wi-Fi never works or, you know, their servers are always down. Like, do you, do you know someone who does that? <laughs> and, you know, we've gotten two or three, you know, good sized projects just from standing here. I mean, that you, you have to get out and you have to, you know, be part of the community you want to be a part of. That's why I think having a membership here is a little more on my radar than it yeah. was previously. Like today? I will say too, I think, um, I think of this often, I think it's a testament to just the environment in Indianapolis as well. And in that in a lot of industries, there's so much collaboration instead of competition. And as a solopreneur, you have to um, be really aware of 
what wheelhouse you fit within and what wheelhouses you don't. And so there's a lot of times where I'm partnering. Um, it's not just about being nice to clients or it's also about um, finding partners who can fill a certain need maybe for your clients that you can't, um, that you know you can work well with um, and have a different type of professional relationship with. Yeah. Well, and there's opportunity there too, mm-hmm. I think too, is, you know, uh, uh, clients, uh, you know, uh, while, while I don't say the nicest thing about them all the time, but, uh, <laughs> but clients learn to trust you, right? They, and, and once they trust you, they don't want to have 18 different subcontractors or companies or anything. And so I always find that it's an awesome opportunity that solopreneurs kind of often pass up is referrals, you know, build your own referral network, have, you know, have the 12 people that you know and trust and that are going to do a great job and exchange clients with each other, you know, and, and actually make a profit off of that. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a, it's a great, you know, I mean, for a couple of years at DK New Media, that was a, that was a significant portion of our revenue, not a small portion of our revenue. And some people run away from it like, no, oh my God, you know, a referral fee. But I'm like, why wouldn't I? Why w- I don't have a sales team. I don't have anybody out there. So if I have 12 of my favorite, you know, companies that I work with out there selling for me, why wouldn't I pay them? Off the Circle was brought to you by MyITND. If you're a small to medium sized business and need assistance with networking, security, and other IT services. Contact Ryan at info at myitindy.com. Off the Circle is brought to you by DK New Media. DK New Media is a marketing consultancy working with some of the world's largest brands on their digital marketing and media strategies. Contact Doug at dknewmedia.com. Yeah, exactly. Well, Paige, uh, in terms of being at, at college, so do you still have the same op- uh, networking opportunities that – are they different or – Yeah, they've changed a little bit over the past two years. So I actually – I'm finishing up my degree online. So I'm back in Indy and have more of a network here. My school that I went to is actually in Louisville. So I moved there for a year on campus. And during that time, it was definitely more – I didn't meet many clients face-to-face – um, business was a little bit slow just because I was, I knew I wasn't sticking around there very long. So I didn't build as much of a network as I could have. And probably that was my fault, but being a full-time student and a full-time business <laughs> yeah. owner can be a little bit challenging sometimes. Sweet. Yeah. So, um, my network did change and I would say I did notice when I came back to Indy and got reconnected to the network that I was in that. I missed the fact that people here especially seem to really enjoy entrepreneurship a lot and they really like connecting with other people, which was even with some of the networks I was making in Louisville, I wasn't getting as much of a, of a feel for. Paige, um, you mentioned having some mentors and, and you've been fortunate, I think, in having that in your life. What has been some of the best advice that you were given that helped propel you? Hmm. I think maybe the best piece, and this is going to sound very cliche, but the best piece of advice I got when I was first starting my business was just to start the business. Because for me, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm very much a planner and a perfectionist and things have to be in order and everything has an agenda and the agenda has an agenda. And at some point I just had my mentor sent me down. He said, you just need to start this, like get a website 
and just put bare bones and here's what you offer and just do it. Because if you don't do it, it's never going to get done. He was right. And I'm glad that I decided that I was just going to go with it because I don't think I would have started if, if someone had just not pushed me to do that. It's incredible. I, I love that because I, I was just telling someone the other day, like, uh, there's a mystique about people that are really wealthy. And the mystique is that somehow they're smarter than people that don't have as much money or whatever. But more often than not, it's that they just jump. They'll take the opportunity. And, and then of course, the wealthier you are, the more you can afford to keep jumping, you know? And so of course you can be, you know, Elon Musk and rack up some great wins. I'm sure he has some losses behind him too. But the great thing is, is he's, he's got the resources and capacity now to keep jumping and keep trying new challenges and everything else. And I think that for young people to learn that early, that you can jump, just jump, just go do it. You know, that's when the opportunity happens. And if you fail, learn from it, Mm -hmm. jump again. And I would say there is, there's also a balance because once I started the business, and worked with clients, you get more of a feel of what people want. And so you hone your craft and that's when you start planning more growth and you start planning different kinds of things that people want that fit different kinds of, of needs. So I think that being able to start, but then also knowing that at some point you are going to have to sit and maybe you're going to have to plan some things and just really hone in and focus. Yeah. Having that, that balanced perspective is really important too. What do you, I'm curious to hear this from each of you. What do you dislike about being a solo entrepreneur? What, what is, what is the one thing that you're just like, ugh? I'd say currently it's not a separation of office and living room. Oh, um, you need an office. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're doing. Travis, Travis. No, just, we're back I, to I really, the, uh, I really up. am, I think. We are not compensated by the (laughs) I I really do think, though, that to get to where I want to be, I I need to have an office of some type, and I need to have somebody working with me. I think it's a. I think it's a solid um, observation. I I can tell you that there's a transformation that happens to me, getting out of the house Mm -hmm. and coming down here and walking into the office. The other side is there was definitely a perception and. Harry, you, you've been with me, I think, since we had the other office, too. Mm-hmm. The perception from clients the day that I had an office was very different. And mm-hmm. now that might be changing over time, but but you could tell that people were concerned that I was meeting them in coffee shops right? Uh, you know, for, for a period of time. And once I had an office, it was like, oh, this guy is the real deal, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't doing any different work the day before I was just paying rent now. (laughs) Right. Well, and, and and I think the reason why I haven't made that jump yet is because one of my bigger clients, I'll just go sit in their cafeteria because I can just work from there. Yeah. So it's, it's not been a need need, but I know that if I want to get it to where I want it, I know I need to have a place that I can just isolate myself. Yeah. So I have a, a similar answer, but for a different reason. Um, the hardest thing for me, I am a very I have a very collaborative work style and I love working in teams and I, I like to bounce ideas off of people. And so the isolation of just being on my own was really hard for me. And a lot of the reason I did join, um, this co-working space, (laughs) (laughs) um, was because I, for me, there's, um, I, it was like last week, 
I was like kind of feeling down in the dumps and was like, ah, I don't know, you know, and, um, had a project to work on. I was like, you know, I was out and about and I, and so I decided to stop at the broad ripple speakeasy to work for a couple hours. And I found myself so much more focused just with like human energy around me than just my dog whining at me from yeah. downstairs. Um, I, I know that feeling. Yeah, and, I have a seventh month old boxer. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me, it's, it's not, it's the collaboration and the having just that human, um, I'm, I'm energy. A, I'm right? a bit of an mm-hmm. extrovert. So just yeah. being around people has, is helps yeah. me actually, um, rather than being alone. It's, it's tempting though to just go, I don't have to get on my pajamas. I can walk upstairs and I can get so much work done, but, um, yeah. but I'm not happy, a happy worker all the time when I do that. <laughs> I would agree with that. I was actually going to say the exact same things. I'm very much an extroverted person and especially coming back home from school where you walk outside of your dorm room and you're surrounded by all of your friends. It's been a really interesting transition coming back home and realizing that now my office space is the same as my bedroom and I don't interact with very many people at all during the day. So I've actually started going out to a coffee shop that's seven minutes from my house to the point where one of the baristas yesterday just commented on the fact that they built the coffee shop for me for my office. <laughs> so I think I'm there too often. But I would definitely say I really like the the more having more energy in my life and having a lot more just people around me and kind of a open, more bright space where I'm more motivated to work. And yeah. I don't really know, like I couldn't ever tell you exactly why that is, but it's definitely something I've noticed. Mm-hmm. There's a, there's a lot of stress on solopreneurs too that I think we don't acknowledge. And when you get around other people, especially if you're getting around other people of like minds, that te- they tend to ease your soul a little bit. That you know, and I, I joke. You, know, my friend Adam, he's been on the show a couple of times, but Adam works out of his house with his wife. You know, so so one that's that's stressful, right? Just working out of your house. Two, working with your wife, it, you know, is stressful as well. And so he makes it a point that every single week, you know, he comes down here and works on Friday afternoon and it's like a decompressor for him, you know, and I mm-hmm. think, I think it's a really healthy thing for solopreneurs to, to go find that spot, whether you talk to anybody or not, but go find that spot to decompress, you know, and, and, and get some energy back. That's a, those are really good insights. I'm so I'm so jealous of you guys. God, I got I'm 49. I just learned this stuff a couple of years ago. So. <laughs> well, the world's changed so much since you and I started doing it. You're a little bit older than me, but we've yeah. been doing this for a while now. It's you know the the access to resources is far easier now. Uh, with you know with that whole cloud and internet thing out there, you can exchange data yeah. at a much higher. You know, we would have to actually go to the accountant's office with our packet of printouts and show them. Uh, now it's just you know you give them access via your online account and they yeah. do all the work and you're just done. Mine just emails me saying you're you're not doing this right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's really the the access to information has transformed. Being an, a solopreneur to yeah. the point that I don't think it really matters anymore. Right. I mean, you can have, we can do the same amount of work a large consult IT services company can. We just do it with different people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I, and, and uh, you had mentioned in uh, like Torchlight, I think is probably a perfect example where if you have people that complement your services, uh, that's helpful too, right? Because, 
when you're up against a big company, people wonder about resources, you know? Mm-hmm. And so if there's a company of 20 people with their IT team or a solopreneur, they're going to instantly think, oh, this is, this guy doesn't have any resources. If this, if this goes bad, you know, how, how is he going to handle this work? And, and so having that network of other people to say, no, no, I can pull six people in. I, I tell AJ that with videography. I'm like, yep. Get to be friends with every other videographer in town because you're going to get a job where you need five videographers, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? So get get to become friends now and, and collaborate and cooperate on that mm-hmm. stuff. Well, and I will say as a testament to Torchlight, I, I really think – I don't know how long I would have lasted if I hadn't had access to that network of – of other torchlighters um, because they are very good at connecting you with them. And so just having a community, even if it was just through Slack of people who understood um, where I was and, and had different skill sets than me, but also I could just go on and be like, you guys, my dog's really annoying today. Like (laughs) they're all like, yeah, I know me too. Or (laughs) I'm in a coffee shop, you know, like, just to have coworkers, really, and we might we might have some people that don't know what Torchlight is online. So if yeah, you want to take so, a second, so um, Torchlight is a marketing uh, digital marketing agency, um, and their model is a little different in that they um, contract with companies and then source all of the um, deliverables through freelancers. Um, so they have a community of freelancers um, they call Torchlighters. Um, with all kinds of different skill sets and solopreneurs. And they're pretty supportive of the fact that we understand our, 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 our worker bees have other jobs and other clients. And, um, so they contract them out based on who their client is and then are very supportive of, um, growing the kind of gig economy and, uh, supporting it. So. And it's cool from a client standpoint. It's a really neat system where you can kind of man your workbench, you know, get the people in line that you like to work with all the time mm-hmm. and continuously use them. I think the other cool thing is Susan Marshall, you know, is, is just an incredible, oh my God, incredible. And it's great to see a female entrepreneur in charge of a large company. And I know Scott McCorkle's on the board now who is a crazy man that I, I love, you know, cause he's, he's one of those guys that's not afraid to, go big. And so uh, seeing the two of them kind of teaming up to take that company up is is really cool to watch. Yeah. So I've got a question I'd like to ask each of you, starting with you, Weston. Um, If there is somebody out there listening to this podcast who is, you know, um, dreading going to work tomorrow at the big company, and he's listening in, he or she, and, and is um, hearing all of these great things about being, you know, a, a solopreneur, what, what would you say to him or her that would kind of be a, a helpful screen? Because it's not for everybody. No. What, what would you say to him or her that would maybe help them come to an informed, a good informed decision on whether this would be right for them? Do they like sleep? <laughs> because I don't know about them and their situation, but my mind does not stop. It's yeah. it's it's one of the burdens of being self-employed. I mean, you can't afford to not stop thinking about the next move, the current project. You know, and and in my position, being as young as I am, I feel like I'm always in a position to please and over please because I want those contacts to stay happy and. 
to continue to use me. So enjoy the sleep. (laughs) Robin, what would you say? Um, one of the, one of a good, uh, a really good piece of advice that I got right when I was about to start is someone, um, asked me, what's the worst that can happen? Um, truly, truly, what's the worst that can happen? You live on hot dogs for a little while. You move back in with your parents and they support you for a minute. Um, quite frankly, my, we borrowed money from my parents to pay our mortgage for a couple months and I'm lucky that I'm paying them back now, but, um, but you know, what's the worst that can happen? And is it really, um, is it really something that's going to hurt you or is it just going to hurt your ego and you're going to feel bad about it? Cause that's not a real, if that's yeah. the case, then that's not real, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Good. Paige, how about you? Well, this might sound a little roundabout and also maybe a little off the wall, but I would say if you're in a corporate job at the moment and you're considering going and becoming a solopreneur, I would say start with part-time as a solopreneur and kind of, and keep your full-time job. And I say this because I actually was in, I was actually in a corporation as a marketing intern at the same time I had just gotten into my business and I thought, man, I'm wasting all this time doing projects I don't really care about for a company that I'm not going to stay at for very long. And then I realized as I was at this company during the day, I would consistently be like idea central and I would have a million ideas for my Mm -hmm. business. And I'd go home and I'd write them all down and be really excited about doing my business. And so honestly, I think that's really good just to have one, just a transition and two, also just have a place where Maybe you don't like the work that you're doing, but while you're doing that work, sometimes you'll just come up with ideas for the work that you actually like that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. I, I've got uh, um, another question for you, Paige, and it has to do with the Failure Institute. And in full disclosure, I'm the chief mentor in residence at the Failure <laughs> Institute. But um, what, to what degree has you know, your involvement and, and participation perhaps um, provided some good uh, structure for your thinking about, um, you know, being the solopreneur and taking a little bit of risk and failure in general. Yeah, I would say, I like I said, I'm a perfectionist. So the idea of not doing something successfully does scare me a lot. And going to the failure institute especially and hearing these people who now have gone past failure to great success has been really inspiring and not only inspiring but also just really helpful to see people who can say yeah i failed miserably but this is all that i learned from it and even if i hadn't succeeded afterwards it was still worth going through that failure i think that's been really helpful just to restructure the way i think about doing my work and doing it well, but also not stressing so much about the fact that maybe it's not going to turn out exactly the way I wanted it. I wish I would have learned that when I was her age. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to go take a sales job. Have you the people on this side <laughs> of the table? <laughs> We're saying the same thing. Yeah. And it's really, uh, you know, I started off with an, a degree in elementary education and then worked there for four or five years and went to work at Apple and then literally moved to a different state 
back when they were giving out mortgages for nothing and like you don't you two don't have jobs sure we'll give you a mortgage yeah. um and we just started a consulting company in a different state the day after my wife got done teaching and it's been ever since then it's been two, since 2004 and everything has changed so fast i think that we're in such a prime place um in the economy that like if, if all the solopreneurs went away, it'd be worse than like Eli Lilly moving out or, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, the effect on the economy is so vast and unknown. We're like the, I hate to say it, we're like, like the little cockroaches running around the city <laughs> doing all the stuff. It really like, they just, you can't get rid of us. We're everywhere. Yeah. And as these companies, big companies downsize and, you know, through efficiencies or redundancies or whatever, you know, there's more and more of us every day because people go, okay, I can go work for another company. I can move or I can go start my own thing. And, you know, starting your own thing is it's hard, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like I wouldn't do anything else. Well, and, and, you know, the other side that you didn't mention is, you know, these companies that are downsizing, the work hasn't gone away. And more often than not, they're just outsourcing it to somebody like us. Yeah, yeah very true. You can. Uh, why would you want to do your technology services in house? Why wouldn't you want to do? You know, have a professional who lives and breathes it handle it for you, or your marketing, or your database development, or or, or any of these services. Why would you want to do them in house and pay somebody and pay them payroll and taxes and help and benefits and all, or just outsource it for heck of a lot cheaper and you can pay someone to do it internally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, I have like mixed feelings. Like I feel we, we talked about this, Mm -hmm. I think on a podcast recently. Like I, I feel like what's, what's happened over time is that, um, it it used to be when you joined a corporation, you were taken care of from cradle to grave, you know, Mm -hmm. so, so you had your healthcare taken care of, you had your benefits, you had your retirement, your pension, your (laughs) everything, you know? And so since that's gone, you know, what is the risk? Right. What is the risk of starting a business on your own where, you know, you could possibly double or triple your, your income or cut it in half, right? You know, we've had, we've had, those, we've had those years as well, you know, but, but that's what I look at is I just look at if I went back to a company, uh, yes, there's a sense of comfort there, you know, and everything else, but I'm not sure that I'm, comfortable with that comfort. <laughs> you know, I, I like the fact that I'm kind of in charge of my own destiny yeah. and empowering. That, it is, it is that one of the things that, that we talked about here too, and I just wanted to comment it uh, on it as well was the, you know, the, the not doing a good job type thing The yeah. when, when it doesn't go well with a client. And that's the other thing I think that it took 10 years to learn, but I'm able to look a client in the eye right now. If something doesn't go right and say, it's not going right. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, I think they appreciate that honestly yeah, too. How can we fix it? Yeah, and and I uh, and that's something that I think when I first started, I was petrified of you know, oh my god, we're, you know, they're calling and I'm not answering the phone, you yeah. know, and you know, and I kind of got thrown into the fire on that one. Yeah, <laughs> you you learn early on, just yeah, just tell it how, how do we it fix is, it? and yeah. Yeah. But don't tell them unless you have a fix along with you telling them. Maybe. Yeah. I've, I've had, I had one subcontractor, uh, this is a few years back or whatever, but he gave me a price and, and I said, yeah, I don't think you can do it for that price. And he goes, no, no, we got, we got this and we got that and everything else. And I was like, yeah, I don't think you can. And he said, no, we will, we will. And so I, we paid him and he didn't get it. (laughs) And, and he came back to the table and he was so honest, you know, he was like, and I, and I told him and he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, Nothing we can do. I was like, it's 
it's lost. You know, I said, I'll talk to the client and I'll have to give some kind of rebate back or whatever, but you know, let's, let's learn from it and move on. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of attitude, you know, 10 years ago, I, I, I couldn't have had that conversation with somebody, but now it's, you know, sometimes we're doing things that nobody's ever done before. Like I always, I always think it's funny that every time I get into a conversation with a client, one of the first things they always say is we're different, right? We're different. We're different. We're different. But then the, they want solid expectations of what the future is going to look like, <laughs> right? So they're telling you everything about us is different and challenging. So exactly how are you, when are you going to get that done? And for how much are you going to get done? Wait a second. You just told me that you didn't think that this was ever done before. And now you're saying, you know, and I always think it's kind of that funny dichotomy that, that we bridge the line on. And over time we get better at, you know, making estimates and everything. But most of the time we're doing something that we've never done before. Well, And, and in the yeah. custom software world that oh, I am. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I had a rule whenever we did development, I multiplied by four. Uh, I think I'm going to need to do that. <laughs> we've, had that Russ, we've had that conversation. We, we have. I know. Thankfully, I do have Ryan in my corner. Yeah. We meet up and get beers every month or so. It's not a joke. But no, no, it's Literally, not. I look at a project and I go, oh, they, yeah, we could probably do that for a couple grand, you know, and then I multiply it by four and we come in right on target. And I'm yeah, like, right. holy smokes. Well, and, <laughs> and I grew up, my, my dad and my uncle have their own business installing windows like in this yeah. building. And uh, so I learned very early the whole entrepreneur mindset. Yeah. And you just, it's, it gets in your blood. You can't really get rid of it. So, yeah, absolutely. So, what questions do you guys have? Yeah. And I should say, you know what? One of the things, and sorry, because it rolls right into this, but here, having Harry is another resource. I don't, I don't, I don't thank you enough, mm -hmm. but I don't know how long you've been with DK now. Five years or more. Yeah, five years or more. But absolutely having someone wise that I can call on with personnel issues or tax issues. I've had tax issues too. And, <laughs> and, uh, and man, that is just such a relief having someone that, that you can just pick up the phone. So thank you for, for, for that. And, and which leads to that question, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got you know, three seasoned veterans, some more with more seasoning than others. <laughs> 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 um, you know, what questions do you have? What questions do you, you know, when you started this, what questions do you, did you have, or what questions do you have now that would, you know, take some, take some burden off your brain so you can actually get some sleep at night? At what point do you decide you need help? When you ask that question. Fair enough. You, you know, I, that's it. That's a really good one because Harry's seen me go up and down on employees. And, and, um, I'd say that every time I had to go down on employees, it was just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It was, mm -hmm. it was just, and it was, I, I, I don't want to say there was, you know, some business decisions in the process too, but sometimes bad things happen. You know, three key clients leave at the same time for one reason or another. And you, and you, and so, so now my, my, you know, my, my perception on that is, uh, is a lot more intense because mm -hmm. I, I don't want to ever have to say goodbye. Sure. You know, no. to, unless it's for good reasons. Like Jen, Jen starting her own agency was a, just a awesome event. You know, we popped a champagne, you know, with it. But the, and so now I look at it and I go, you know, if I was to do it all over again, 
what I didn't do then was, and, and we talked about jumping earlier, but I wouldn't have jumped with the employee. Mm-hmm. I, I think I would have put six months of salary aside and, and That's had that good. been my discipline say, you know what? You're not going to get help until you put that salary aside for that person. When you can put six months of salary aside for a person and, and, then you can stop working 60, 80 hours a week, you know, and that's my personal on that. Weston, what I would tell you is, you know, having worked with um, solopreneurs and entrepreneurs in general for a number of years, nine times out of 10, they wait too long to pull the trigger on an important decision. And so I think that uh, it is always wise to, when, when you, your question was, when do you ask for help? I think, you know, just getting some wise counsel mm. sooner rather than later can mm-hmm. save a yeah, lot I of took money. I as an employee, sorry. You know, a lot of money <laughs> well, I, in the I long mean, run. I, I think I think it eventually would escalate to an employee yeah. or somebody on contract. Yeah. But that that was the help that I was referring to. Yeah, you can get help without employing a full-time contract. Right. As, as a solopreneur, you could probably find another one who's looking to do more of the grunt work. Mm-hmm. Um, what you need to consider... I think is at that point, what is your job? Right. Are you going to keep being the slinger, the worker, the, or are you going to go get more work and be a business owner? We've had these discussions Mm -hmm. before where eventually I would, I would love to see myself because I'm a very personable person. I like develop going out, talking with people, understanding their business and what they need in a program and being able to, write up a proposal and do all that and then eventually write out a blueprint and hand it to another developer and say, Hey, here, yep. build it. That's, that's the position that I would love to be in. Cause I, I love doing the engagement. I think that I a- love the delivery. I love just seeing people go, it can do that. I think that's and a lot of what we do. Yeah. My, my agency does. I, mm-hmm. I would say this, I would say I had to burn through a lot of, you know, I'm not going to say bad. They weren't bad you know, bad subcontractors, but I had to burn through some tough ones to get the right ones that matched my work style, work and- style, culture, everything else. Mm-hmm. And so my, I, I, I joke that there's sometimes where I give a project out to three of <laughs> like, like designers, yeah. I give the project to three designers First one that wins. are new, <laughs> that are new. Yeah. And I just want to see how each of them goes. And then, you know, someone just hits it over the top. Right. You know, and, and comes back. And so over, over the last 10 years, you know, I have my go-tos. Mm-hmm. I know exactly who I can go to for help. And there's no doubt. But those early years, I spent a lot of money, right. you know, because I had to get things done, redone. You well, know. I think that's part of my overthinking with the question is I don't want to have to go through the spending. Yeah. I, I want to try to mitigate the spending. Yeah. Jump. Yeah. And the other, the other one is getting a young yeah. person, like, Stephen Coley was my first developer. He was in high school still and he was hungry Mm -hmm. and he didn't know how to develop. Well, and I think that's, I'm looking for the same type of person because that's how I was in college. I I was eager to do it and I did it all through college while going to college. So we got to get him with Don Wetrick. So I I was going to say, uh, taking 24 (laughs) credit hours a semester. Chris Hoyt would be the guy that I I would uh, recommend. Yeah, there's some people out there right now that are placing. You know, people like that. But I mean, especially in your area of expertise, you know, you, you just can't go out and find, right. you know, yeah. these people. Right. Um, 
that you would want to have and and could trust you oftentimes have to grow them and and you know sure. that's a great way to do it i would just want to make one observation we were talking about subcontractors you know if you can you can develop the same you know the same kind of loyal relationship with a subcontractor that you know would be almost like them working in your company sure and uh, get more loyalty out of a subcontractor if but you've got to treat them right right well and you got to treat them right legally too yes there's yeah, big, big whole, trouble in little t- that's a whole <laughs> different thing. well i, so I looking at subs read up on the irs's definition well we had we had a company here in town that we work with that they they had uh they had desks for their people to come to oh. um and that was it the irs said those weren't subcontractors those were employees and give us their t- payroll taxes for the last two years you know, oh, wow. Well, that, yeah. that that goes about back to getting yeah. help sooner yeah. rather than yeah. than later to you know help you understand the nuances and the you know the uh, potholes yeah. that uh, mm-hmm. you can run into because you you kind of that second second level of ignorance. You don't know what you don't know about mm-hmm. labor right. law about. Right. Tax law and That's so on. The stuff that terrifies me. <laughs> There's <laughs> lots of for good reasons. <laughs> but that's a great thing about this community is yeah. you know we're more than willing to sit down and help. You know you, it's it's a give community. Yeah. It's a very giving community. You know I've asked Doug questions. He's asked me questions. You know we sit down and have conversations. You know Harry you know, and I have had a great relationship. You know it's it's about asking for help because someday I'll ask you for help. Mm-hmm. I, I joke that Harry's the nicest guy in the world that every time he t- he advised me against what I was about to do and I did it anyways, <laughs> I, I had to come back and go, okay, Harry, can you help me fix this now? <laughs> I and now when Harry tells me to do something, I go, okay, Harry. Okay. <laughs> so, Robin, what about you? Um, that, that was a good question, so I'm mm-hmm. soaking a lot of that in. Um. You can listen to this when we're done, too. And <laughs> re-soak it all back in. <laughs> um, so uh, this is a – I'm not actually necessarily asking this for myself, but um, I think sometimes we talk about mentorship in a way that um, is a little confusing for people getting started out on – in a, um, I think it can sometimes be hard to understand where you can find mentors if you don't make them organically. So maybe talk a little bit about some of your mentors and how you found them and um, touch on that subject. Let's throw it over to Paige. Paige, you have a mentor. How did that happen? Well, I don't know how helpful my story is going to be because mine was a little bit more organic. Um, my my mentor, Ron Brumberger, um, founder of Apprentice University and Bitwise Solutions, he has um, – he had hired my mother to write some curriculum for Apprentice University. And out of on a whim, she just said, Paige, you need to make him one of your marketing videos just for this curriculum, just to show him what you do. And so I made a video and she sent it and he said, I have to meet the person who made this. And so I actually ended up meeting him through my mother, which isn't normally how that would happen for a lot of people. Well, uh, you know, you would be surprised, quite <laughs> yeah. frankly. You would be surprised. That Mine was a family member. Yeah. Or my, my aunt's neighbor. Right. Mm-hmm. You would be surprised at how many of these come 
through family relationships, especially for young people, especially for young people. I, my, my, that's a tough one for me to answer because, you know, I came out of like working for Exact Target with Scott Dorsey and Scott McCorkle and Chris Baggett and Joanne, you know, Gottschalk and all these amazing, amazing leaders. And so I, I, when I went out and done my own, I was really stupid. And I, and I really mean that. Like I, I thought, these guys are doing it. I could do it, you know? And I went out kind of without a mentor, without asking for people for help and immediately just started to, to die on the vine, you know? And I had a couple of people that picked me up off the floor. You know, I had an attorney that helped me out, David Castor, who I'm forever indebted to. And I had uh Matt Nettleton like that. I think the, the interesting thing was that when I opened up to people about the problems that I was having, those people didn't volunteer to be mentors or anything else. They literally said, look, we see that you have talent and opportunity. Let's don't worry about money. Let's just get you on the right road. And then, and then if business comes down later, well, you know, you got a sales coach that told me that and an attorney, those are like two people that you would never expect to say, don't worry about money, (laughs) (laughs) you know, but they did. And so accidentally, you know, I wound up just having just incredible and, and it taught me immediately, why are you trying to do this yourself? Like, uh, you know, like you, I'm a marketer. I'm not a business, you know, I'm not a, all of the other aspects that you have to be accountant and, you know, everything else, I'm not. So why am I trying to pretend that I'm a successful business owner that can do everything? No, I'm a marketer. Let me go market and then let me find these people, you know, to help me that way. The the other side I'll say is that I know for Jen, um, like Nabo was incredible because it was, it, it is unique being a female business owner too. And so I think Nabo, um, National Association of Women Business Owners, really the instant that Jen started really going out with that group and and just she did a podcast, I think, initially, and then started going to meetings, I saw just an incredible sense of confidence and reassurance that now she had women that own $100 million corporations and everything, and there's a lot of them, people underestimate it, that she came back with a just knowing that she would have that support group. And so it made it a lot easier for her to launch her business. Not easier. I wouldn't say that, but, but it made her a lot more confident that she had the, the mentors around her, you know, that she could go to. And so I think NABO was, is, is probably a, a, an organization that's ready built for women that want to be entrepreneurs. I don't know that men were not smart enough to have us well, we, a men's support we, group. We have for, to, you know, arm wrestle when yeah. we get together instead of help one another. Um, My answer to this is is kind of you are who you associate with. So you have to go and find the people you want to know more. You want to emulate. Like uh, for us, it was one of our first business clients um, and the owner took me under his wing. He's like, okay, you know, this is like 2005. So I've been doing it for about a year now. And it was our first business client where it was like, oh, we can actually, you know, make good money doing this because doing residential IT services is not really going to, you know, buy you a steak dinner. Um, (laughs) But what happened was he ended up taking me under his wing. He's like, okay, so, you know, and it was something like we made a mistake or, I, you know, and I just, he's like, you need to just own up to it. Like, I don't care. Like, you made a mistake. You fixed it. It's fine. Just tell me what happened. I told him, he's like, okay, well, that was easy, wasn't it? 
And ever since that time, it's like, you know, you just got to be honest. You got to be taken care of. He's like, well, okay, I know a lot of people. Do you know so-and-so? And, you know, you need to get a hold of this guy. And, you know, and it just, you know, you have to find – and so easy now because there's, there's Facebook groups dedicated to this. Although I will say the Indiana small business ones are a little – there's not a whole lot of engagement in there. But if you find like a BNI group or you find a group of people like NABO or anything any like that, you can just go try it. They always want you to try it. You know, you, you know, it, it's going and seeing people and seeing like, okay, I can do this. Um, these people, you know, most of them, most of the groups are welcoming. Uh, B and I is a little different. If they've already got someone in your position, you can't join. Um, but there's openings all the time. You can get on wait lists and it's really like, good organizations willing to help you. They're out there. It's, you know, it depends on where you're willing to go to find them. That's interesting what you said too. You, you kind of touch on something that maybe is in common with all of us too, is that someone, you know, opened up to you and reached mm-hmm. out and helped you. I know Ron personally, I, I always tell the story about Ron all the, when I started my agency, I wanted to help other agencies. I didn't really want to have my own agency. And, uh, so I went to every agency in town and none of them would talk to me. And it was back then it was like, what, what you're going to be our competitor. Like, why, why are you talking to us about what you're going to do? Ron was the one guy and, and Michael at Spinweb was the other one that they opened their door and said, what are you doing? Oh, maybe we could use you. Maybe we could help you or whatever. But I see Ron is one of those people that he wants to be a mentor. He, he is always free with his advice and, and, and everything. And, and so, you know, Matt Nettleton was like that from a sales coaching, David Castor, you know, uh, Harry, who, Harry was introduced to me through Doug Thies. Doug Thies was like that. These are people that, mm-hmm. like you said, you started to have a conversation with them and they wisely, put themselves in the mentor position. Like we didn't look for them. They just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, came out of our network when we asked for help. You know, I, I feel like when you ask for help, there are certain kind of people. There's people that tell you how much to fix it, you know, and then there's people that really look at you and go, wow, let me see what I can do to, to help you. And, and I always feel like that, that secondary one, when people, when people come back and say, you know, what what can I do to make this different? What can I do to – when I hear that from someone, I'm always like, ooh. I was like, this is a good person that I need to have in my network. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Being a solopreneur, that's 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 not, your marketing. Not sign up for my six-month program and it's only $179. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's not a mentor. No, that, that <laughs> word of mouth is so powerful. You know, you can get all the billboards in the world, but if somebody says don't use you, they're yeah. like, oh, yeah. okay, well, <laughs> I guess I won't use them then. But it's, you know, it's a relationship. It's really what you're quote unquote selling is you. Well, when you talk about the relationship part, so a customer that I support, they had an employee there that was my main point of contact. Mm-hmm. And he had kind of sensed that there was some stuff happening internally and they ended up firing a whole bunch of people, but he left before that and started his own little gig and he's the one in Speedway. Yeah. Um, and he's actually become a good friend of mine. And now that he's off doing essentially the mm-hmm. same thing before himself, I will be supporting him with the application to help with workflow management and some other stuff like that. So having that contact and that relationship prior to leaving was mm-hmm. – really valuable. Well, they, and there's, there's a, there's an onus on us, right? Too, is that we've, I had people reach out to, I have people that 
come to me and ask me for help and they feel bad about that. And I always tell them, no, 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 no. I was like, I, I could never be where I'm at if it wasn't for the people that helped me. And they never expected a check or a, you know, or, mm-hmm. or something yep. in return. And so, you know, if, if everybody just looked for a check, we'd all be in real trouble <laughs> as solopreneurs. But, but, uh, but I think that's, you know, that's a big part of it is that there, there's a good foundation of people, especially in this city that, mm-hmm. Most of what we do, we don't do it for money. We, we really do it just because we, I get excited when I watch one of our companies, you know, I, we have a company right here in the building that ran into a really serious issue where they thought they were going to get fired by their client, you know, and I went to them and, and advised them what to do. They weren't going to do that. They, I went and advised them. I said, no, you have to do this. They did that and saved the client. And I came back and I was like, huh. Oh. That felt so good. You know, like that was yeah. better than a check, you yeah. know? And so, and so I think, I think that's it is those mentors are out there. We, you know, I don't know that I'm a great mentor, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely love sharing my failures and successes mm-hmm. with people and then trying to connect people and everything else. That's just because everybody did it for me. I, I they did so many people yep. and there's, there, there's people that take your time, right? S- steal your time. And then there's those people that, I sit there and I go, how does someone like Ron, what does he get done in a day? <laughs> right? He has, he has a million people that he's always helping. You know, like, I don't know how he does it. It's an, it's amazing. Robin, the only, I'll add one more thing and then we'll go on to Paige. I think when you're looking for a mentor, I wouldn't uh, use the word mentor because it's kind of become a buzzword and, you know, find another, you know, just, just ask for help. Don't and and not use that particular. I think that's word. kind of what I was hitting on, or with the question as well. And I think you nailed it with putting yourself in a situation where you can meet people who are potential mentors, yeah. and then asking for help is how you get a mentor. Yeah. It's not by going. Will you Raising be my mentor? your hand. Who are you? Like are you my mentor? Are you my mentor? Like <laughs> Google them. Yeah. yeah. Mentors in Indianapolis. Right. <laughs> Paige, what would you perhaps? You're up. Um, okay. What is looking back? What is one thing that you're really happy you did as an entrepreneur, and one thing you wish you hadn't done? Just one. <laughs> um, okay, so one thing I'm happy I did, uh, get out of my home office. You can't grow your business sitting there talking to your dog. Doesn't work. Uh, one of the things I wished I had done as a business was be more flexible and listen better. Um, you know, we try to, especially in our in our industry where we're trying to fit a technology solution for your company, we got a little too... This is what you have to do and not as much, you know, what are your, what are your goals? Um, now that we sit down and, and have a more flexible conversation, we don't have to hit you with the, you know, the 80 pound hammer. It's like, this is everything you need to do. It's going to cost you, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a month. Whereas we can say, okay, well, let's start, you know, cause you don't know me, you know, you, 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 when it comes down to it, you don't know who we are. You know, we're a stranger. All of a sudden we're asking for, you know, thousands of dollars a month for doing a job. Whereas now we say, okay, well, let's start off with little pieces. Let's start off with just getting you guys comfortable with using us. Here's, you know, for a couple of hundred bucks a month, we can get, you know, a management app on all your, 
computers. Okay, well now that you see we're doing the tickets and now it's you know we're charging hourly. Okay, you can see the work that we're doing. You can see it's good work. Um, and then eventually gets to the point where okay, you want to add some licenses. Okay, we can do that. Uh, you need to redo your network. We can do that. And it's it, it's slow. I hate to say land and expand, but that's kind of what it is. Um, and it, it's actually worked very well for us because it's not you know a sledgehammer to the head with what we need done, especially because a lot of these small companies have never paid for technology services ever, mm-hmm. or they had their uh, their cousins, uncles, nephews, brothers, college roommate who <laughs> do it for you know beer money. Mm-hmm. It's it's it, there's a difference between doing it professionally and doing it as a side job, and we do it professionally, but we can't go all in on the pricing from day one. That's one thing I wished I had done. We probably would be in a different place than we are now, but you know, hindsight being what it is, we've learned and moved on. And the last couple of, of, of friends that we've brought on, we don't call them really clients, we call them friends now, um, it's made a huge difference in the approach because they're just like, yeah, okay, that's fine. We'll just go on the all-in contract after six months because it just was the same amount of money they're paying anyways. Mm-hmm. But it grew and didn't start off that big. I would, uh, from a happiness standpoint, I don't, I don't know if anything's unhappy. I've gone through some highs and lows, but I'm don't regret like anything from a. So I'm happy that I just jumped. I'm happy. Um, I'm happy that I'm that type of guy now that just doesn't. I don't care about risk. I really don't. Um, to my detriment, sometimes Harry has to pull me out of the fire. But, um, I'm not in jail, Love though. So. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I'd say the the thing that the the opposite is is that um, there was times within the business that I was so worried about cash flow that I made really poor decisions to go after money rather than to build. If if I would have you know, here's the thing is, uh, you know, let's, let's say it's a, uh, a lot of our, a lot of our contracts are like a, a significant dollar amount every month. And, and so I've doubled that probably every few years. And every time I double my, my, you know, that it gets better and it gets easier with clients. The clients understand the value more, everything else. And so one of the things that I really just don't do anymore is negotiate. I just say, no, it's this much, you know, and if you don't want to fix it for that much, that's okay. Cause I know if I back down on my price, now I'm under the gun. Now I don't have room to maybe get another subcontractor to go over the top or to do it right or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so what I keep finding is that every time I go, you know, I, I think that I'm going to go after that you know, $5,000 deal instead of just sitting and waiting (laughs) for the $60,000 deal, you know, and that's now 10 years later, that's what I do. I tell people, sorry, you know, and even if cash flow is tight, even if everything's, you know, if the business is suffering, I, I just don't go after the money anymore or go after that quick cash anymore. I really try to find the right clients. I really try to find that right match that, you know, that I know that I can move the needle with these people and make them happy and they're going to appreciate it. And, and, uh, that value, if you have someone that, you know, like it's when people figure out how much time something took, like if, if you fix something for someone, if you did a video for someone and that video you charged, you know, $5,000 or whatever, you know, and let's say you had 90% of that video you bought online, right. And you just tweaked it, you know, what difference does that make? 
if it grew their business by millions of dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like that's the thing is, is, is people should be valuing you for the benefits that you're providing them and their business, not based on what, how much they think you're making per hour, you know? And I always tell the story that my last hourly job, my last retainer job, and it was at Bob Evans. I was sitting down for coffee with a guy and he said, how much, you know, to, to pay you per hour. And I said, $150 an hour. And he said, Oh my God. He was like, I was, I've, and he really made like a big deal out of it. He was like, I've never spent that much of my life. And I didn't, that was an okay. I knew people at Salesforce that were making 250 and 300 an hour. And, and, um, and I said, I said, well, how much have you paid someone? He goes, I've never paid someone more than 75. And I said, well, I could do it for 75. It's just going to take me twice as long. <laughs> 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 and he kind of looked at me odd and and I said, yeah. I said, you don't know how long it's going to take me. How, why are you judging based on hourly, you know, and now I didn't get the contract, which, <laughs> is not, but I'm glad that I didn't, you know, and that's yeah. the thing is so now I really do the, the, uh, when I sit and I close a deal in two weeks, I'm really scared. I, I just go, oh my God, this is going to be a nightmare. When I close a deal after six months or a year. I know it's going to be an amazing relationship because we've gotten to really know each other before we, you know, connected. And so, you know, if there was one thing that I could do 10 years ago, it would have been, you know, and I don't know that I could have. I don't know that I would have figured out what the right fit is for that customer, but I I would have done that long ago. And, and when I see my friends that are really successful and doing well, most of them understand where their place is, what their value is, and they don't make exceptions for that, you know, so. I think it's interesting. There's kind of a common thread here, and and the common thread has to do with qualifying your clients. And, uh, you know, Ryan talked about that. Doug talked about it from a little different perspective. And before you know, while Ryan was speaking, I had kind of formulated my answer and had it, it was essentially the same. Now, my issue is a little different. What what I regret and, and learned the hard way was the importance of qualifying clients. And, and for me, the bad client is somebody who comes to me and says, um, you know, I want to take my business to the next level. I have these big dreams and I, I want to do that. You know, what I didn't ask him initially was, you know, or, you know, you know, you're going to have to do some things different if, you know, if you want to do this and, you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can't eat healthy and lose weight if you're unwilling to pass up the chocolate cake and go to the gym. <laughs> And, uh, right here, here, here. <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of scooting towards me. <laughs> so the, you know, the, the point is, um, today I, I really, um, before I'll engage with a client, you know, I really, I, I, it wouldn't be grilling them, but I, I test a little to make sure that they would be willing to make the changes necessary for them to be successful because 
you know, it's a waste of their time and it's a waste of my time to go part way, figure out what needs to be done and then be unwilling right. to make that change. So that's what it looked like for me and that's, you know, qualification of of a client and in each of our cases that looks a little different but it's about finding people who are willing to do what they need to do on their end as well as, you know, being, you know, that, that makes them appreciate when, when you can be successful with them, then they appreciate what you've done for them. And now everybody's happy. To sum it up, uh, learn to say no. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. So I want to thank our guests here. Um, Paige, how can people get a hold of you? Uh, probably the best way would be to email me at artist at the story com, or just follow me on social media. Okay. Private message and me. we'll have the links on, on our guest page too. Uh, Robin, how can people get a hold of you? Um, yeah, my, um, email is Robin at think floof. So think like with your head and then floof, F L O O F, uh, dot com. That word, <laughs> floof. I just want to use it in a sentence. <laughs> and Weston, how can people get a hold of you? You can email me at Weston at evolutiondd.com. Excellent. Thank you very much for coming on our show today. And this is the end of this episode. This is a, a wonderful. This is a great yeah, show. Great conversation. Yep. If you're an Indianapolis business and would like to be on Off the Circle, contact us at offthecircle.com. Off the Circle is recorded at DK New Media's State-of-the-Art Studio, the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis.